today's episode of the podcast was lost by an intern, then found by an intern. Not quite amazing grace, but an amazing conversation. I'm glad we rescued it. I'll tell you the whole story. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. of Diesel Park West, a band which features my guest today on the program, John Butler. Let me tell you a little bit about Diesel Park West, John Butler, and the incredible uh, intern caper, which almost made this show uh, lost forever. Uh, I think it's a cute story. No one's in trouble. No one's angry. It's just a thing that happened, and I'll tell you all about it right now. Then... I'll tell you all about Diesel Park West, and then you'll hear the interview. Okay? All right. There's the agenda for today. All right. So a while back, we had this intern who worked in sound editing, and his name was Soren. Cool guy. I liked him. He was a little bit strange. He used to pour packs of sugar, like seven or eight packs of sugar, into bottles of water, and then he'd shotgun the bottle in one gulp. It was something to behold. Anyway, so we did the interview with John Butler of Diesel Park West, and Soren said he wanted to edit the interview over the weekend by himself so we could post it the following week. No problem. He seemed very proficient. Um, At any rate, a few days later, I got an email, and this is right before the show was supposed to post, and the email started off with, bro, (laughs) which was an immediate red flag. But the long and short of it is, the bro was followed by, I lost the file. And I got a full-time job, so I won't be in again. And that was that. Soren was gone. The Diesel Park West interview was gone. Uh, Maybe on the bright side, we had a lot more sugar in the office, but no interview. But just last week, Soren emailed me. Bro, (laughs) he wrote again, I found it. So, all this time has passed, but... There will be an interview, after all, with John Butler of Diesel Park West. Who, you might be asking, are Diesel Park West? Well, let me tell you. They got their start in Leicester as the Filbert somewhere around 1980, but before too long, they rechristened themselves Diesel Park West. The Diesels put out a string of singles like When the Hoodoo Comes and Jackie's Still Sad. Right before their debut album, Shakespeare, Alabama, hit shelves in 1989. To date, the band has put out 10 albums, including Decency, Thought for Food, and their brand new one, Not Quite the American Dream. Influenced by West Coast bands like Moby Grape and The Birds, the Diesels have had quite a career. They've opened for Big Country, been signed by EMI, 
and even had Belinda Carlisle of the Go-Go's cover their track, I See No Ships. Meanwhile, singer John C. Butler has put out fabulous solo albums, Worthless Bastard Rock is a personal favorite, and the band has released a Birds covers album, live stuff, and a bunch of EPs along the way. But the fact remains, the Diesels don't stop, and why should they? There's pretty much nobody else out there who can jangle and chime and roll out hook after hook the way they do. And Not Quite the American Dream is further evidence that Diesel Park West remain vital, dynamic, and as fabulous as ever. So, let's get to it. The Lost Interview with John C. Butler. Bro, <laughs> enjoy it, and thank you, Soren, for finding the file. Here's my chat with Mr. Butler of Diesel Park West, right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. relax on a vacation or, or is your mind always working that's a good question um I, I i think i do relax deep down yeah but but at the same time i'm I'm always i'm thinking about um well actually i'm thinking about rock and roll a lot you know i'm thinking i'm thinking about songs and thinking about shows and stuff yeah i think I've convinced myself that I'm able to relax, but I'm not entirely certain <laughs> that that's that's true, you know. But yeah, I always go back feeling all right for a few days anyway. Do you find that the creative process is more relaxing than laying on a beach anyway? When it's good, when it works, <laughs> yeah. When you when you when you hit when you hit the nail, it, it's 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 a great feeling. Yeah, you feel you feel that it's all, you know, it's, it's all kind of worth worthwhile yeah it does make you feel relaxed actually it makes you it makes you feel like you're getting something right and 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 that makes you feel relaxed and then when it's not working you feel you've made all the wrong choices in life oh yeah <laughs> when he's when he's not working you know you're the biggest dumbass in the world and yeah that's that's <laughs> right <laughs> do you do you think you're more prolific now than you've ever been um, well, uh, you know, I, I've only just recently started to, to, to think about that. Um, I've always been, I've always been prolific, I think, but, um, but, but now in the last, in the last sort of five years, I think, I think it's, it's never been with so much, um, ease that it seems to be now. So I seem to, I seem to be. I think I've learned, you know, I've I've learned how to um, how to put things together a, a lot a lot e easier, and 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 uh, as a result, because of that, because of the because there's a an easing of tension on on that score. I think that yeah, I, I probably I probably am a bit a bit more prolific than I, than I was, you know, in the days of Shakespeare, Alabama, and and stuff. Yeah, probably probably I am. Is part of that ease? knowing what doesn't work and so kind of avoiding those turns in, in the creative work. Yeah, it, it, you do, you, you do, 
I yeah, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. You you begin to know where the potholes in in the road are. You know, you begin to, you begin to know where the you know where where the crap might be, and and where, and, and, and be able to identify the, the good stuff early on. When you write when you write a song, well, when anybody writes a song, I mean, a lot of a lot of people think that the the song that they're writing right now is the is the is the most important song and the best song they'll ever write. You know, but but of course, that's not true. You know, you you may you may have written something great uh, way back. You may going to be writing something great in way way in the future, um, you know who knows. But um, a, a, there's a, a bit of a cathartic process where you have to get rid of a lot of uh, a lot of superfluous stuff, you know. Um, so so in order in order to when when you do actually find yourself relaxing on it or, or feeling good, feeling good about it, it's because you have. You have kind of avoided avoided the um, the sort of pitfalls, the, the 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 easy pitfalls to fall into. You know, like for instance, when you get a chorus, yeah, just to bring it, just to break it down mechanically. When you when you get a chorus and it's a, it's a great chorus, you you know it is. You know you know you've come up with a great chorus. The the natural inclination is to sing the the bloody thing. You know, like two or three times, right? But you don't need to. You know, if it, if it's if it's if it's really great, then one time will do, you know, and and then and then you then you can order the order the 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 arrangement of the song from there. That's one of the things that you learn how to do. You you learn how to not do things, you know, how to how to keep things out rather than rather than just putting the kitchen sink in there as well. But when I look at your early work, you you were very well developed as a songwriter really early on in your life. Um, you know, there, there, there's an aesthetic to your work and a feel to your work that's been consistent, I think, from the get-go. So, so what I'm saying is you've – this is the longest compliment in the world. You've always made it look easy to me. Well, that, that's, that's, that is a compliment. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, if, I, I suppose you, if you're going way back, yeah, to, sure. to the – to, to the like princes do all the miss on Sunday that time. Right. Well, well, um, prior to that being known, prior to that that record coming out and and, and people hearing it, um, there'd been uh, there'd been you know there'd been about ten years really of uh, of getting it together and, and making mistakes, you know, and and writing things that were. Maybe uh, maybe interesting, but not really developed in the in the right way. So there had there had been a long a long tail in, you know, a long, a long apprenticeship. So that's maybe why maybe why when we when we got to that stage, um, it, it came over like that. I remember I remember somebody somebody early on described described that album as being um, it was born fully grown, you know, born right. fully grown. Well, well it. Yeah, I can, it, yeah. It, when you play it, you you do you do get that impression. But but there was a there was a babyhood and there was a childhood and there was an awkward adolescence to get to that fully grown. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. in order to get through that, I imagine that you were someone who probably worked at your craft. I mean, were, were you always a very disciplined um, practitioner of of what you were trying to do? In in, in my own in my own 
my own way. Yeah, my own sort of the the, the methodology I I use. Where it's very instinctive. You know, it's it wasn't it wasn't a kind of thing where I I, I decide to discipline myself as in as in you know well today today is Tuesday and and Tuesday's the day for writing the middle eight and that you know you know it wasn't methodical like which I believe Ray Davis is like that believe it or not he he plans his day around what he's going to be writing you know I, I was I was I was never in 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 that it was it was more of an instinctive thing but once I got cracking once I got started on something um you know back in the days of cassettes you know but but once once I got started on something I'd be quite quite disciplined about it then you know i'd 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 tend to um i i knew i knew how to finish things you know and i i could i could see the end you know while when i was while was was still at the beginning you know so i had a i i had my own sort of personal disciplines but it wasn't really a, a school discipline it wasn't a a, le- a learned or a methodical discipline it was more it was more a a, dis- a discipline inverted commas Based on in, in, instincts, I'd, I'd, in other words, I'd learn how to discipline my own instincts. When did you self-identify as a musician? Like, at what point were you like, okay, the, I am this guy? Uh, early on, um, when the band when the band started, we 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 had a we had we had loads of, we, we had we had a lot of American bands actually that we, that we really liked, um, uh, and. We'd, so as a touchstone, we, we'd, we'd play a lot of covers. We'd play a lot of we- American West Coast '60s hippie covers. You know, that's what that's what we we did when we first kicked off. And um, I used to, we I I used to I used to sing and play the guitar in the band. You know, and then it was well, you know, we we need to write some song. You know, we we need to get writing ourselves. You know, and and I emerged as the writer. I I asked the others to write with me. Um, but I don't think they they felt inclined to or or, or, or I don't think they really are natural writers really. Occasionally that happened, but basically when I when I realised oh what this is what I am I'm I'm the writer I would say that was around 1980. I'd I'd say about 1985, 80, 84, 5, 6, when I thought okay I. I'll write. I'll I'll write the songs, and and they and, and they got into it. You know, they they got into um, performing on these songs that I'd written, and and making them, uh, you know, arrangements and making them sound like like the band. You know, and and obviously then you go and perform them live and record them. And so, I'd say really that you know, that that when I first self-identified with that was about yeah, I'd say about eighty five, eighty four five. What was it about West Coast music? And, I, and I'm calling you from San Francisco. Um, Great. And, and I wonder what your what was the appeal, and also what was the idea, or what was the romantic idea, I should say, that you had about California or California music of that time period? Yeah, um, we 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 understood it. We knew we knew that it came out. Of, we, we knew that it came from a. Essentially, an American reaction to the, to, to the British invasion, and and we knew that the guys that were playing it were people that were a, 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 dro- a lot of them had dropped out and, and and sort of found their way to San Francisco from elsewhere in America. We knew that they weren't in Vietnam, 
you know, we knew that they'd avoided any kind of draft or and, and for whatever reason, and we knew we knew that they were um, there was a real, real a, a strong sort of community of musicians and things that were, that were ambitious, certainly ambitious, and and were uh, and and some of them obviously came through musically. The thing that really did it, the thing that turned us on, was um, was the, was vocally. You know, vo- vocally, but the, the the way that American American rock and roll bands in that period, we're talking about what's from about '65-ish, '66, certainly '67, certainly 1968. You know, up up until up until really the, the advent of the more MOR, middle of the road uh, West Coast stuff in the early '70s. That's when it changed. But during the during the hippie time, during the hate time, and, and all the rest of it. Um, the, those, those, the way that the way that those those harmonies were arranged, that kind of was almost like a celestial and a soulful, a soulful bluesy harmony, um, you know, with great twanging sort of you know, acid drenched guitars and things, and and it was it was basically the we we took it as the Americans' uh, response to this to this thing that, 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 that basically the Beatles and then after the Beatles a lot of other British bands had. Had, had caused really, and and uh, and with generally speaking, you know, I mean, America, America's the America invented rock and roll, so it's sort of we've got this expression here about taking coals to Newcastle. It means taking something back to to, to people that or, that invented it in the first place. You know, well, it was kind of an inverse version of that. The you guys, you guys took what the what the Beatles were doing on album and and stuff, and and took those ingredients, you know, those kind of revolver esque ingredients, the jangly, the psychedelic guitars, and used that with with American vocal abilities and American vocal blends, and you ended up with bands like the Birds, the Moby Grape, Love, even some of the Grateful Dead things, the Airplane, you know, all those incredible bands, which really gave what was happening in London. A real run for its money, and in some cases surpassed it. You know, I, I think. Well, we all thought that. And when, and when you, when you listen to those records, you know, Moby Grape's debut, Love's first two or three albums. You know, the, the list is pretty endless. Surrealistic Pillow, the Anna Grace Slick doing a thing. Crosby, when he was, re- you know, before he went, in, before he became Crosby, when he was still pretty straight, you know. Great stuff, you know, and we, we that that's that was the what turned us on. That was the that was the thing. That's that's where we wanted to be, you know, in a, in a from our inception. What was your um, concept of what California was like? And I'm trying to remember if you yeah. actually if you guys ever came and played here. No, not as Diesel Park West. No, we we didn't. We we um. No, we didn't play there. We, we we should have done, you know. And we will do. We will. We'll we'll come. We'll make up for it. Okay, but, good. Um, <laughs> but we, should, we, we you know we'd if we if we'd, we'd be on fire if we came over now, you know. Um, but we no, we, we we never did. I, I can a perception of it was well, we weren't. We you know we knew we knew that it was. Uh, we knew that there was a difference between our, our sort of. Artistic and vaguely romanticised version of it because of the music and the reality of the of the society and, and the place, you know, as there always is in in, in anything, you know. So we knew there was a, 
a, a difference. So we knew it, we knew it wasn't just completely full of groovy people walking around singing in harmony. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we certainly knew that. But we, but because we were umpteen thousand miles away, obviously there's an inherent, uh, just just because it's so different, there's a there's a, a semi romance about it. You know. Uh, and yeah, we, and we kind of we kind of figured it was really sunny there as well. Whereas in England, of course, it does nothing but rain. Uh. Well, I mean, the idea of California was probably a really interesting uh, sort of you know antonym, if you will, for the town that you grew mm. up in. Um, mm. Explain a bit about because I was looking up bands from your hometown, and I, and I was surprised. I thought there'd be a lot more. Um, mm. But but there weren't as many as I thought. So I'm I'm curious to know, like when you looked around and and were thinking about being a musician, um, yeah. were you inspired by anybody locally? Because I was just kind of curious if there was anyone there who kind of lit you on fire at all. Yeah, there were. Yeah, I mean Leicester really. The, near, the, the nearest I can compare compare Leicester to, for what I know about, about American uh, American sort of in, it, societies uh, or the cities in America it's something it's like Pittsburgh or so it's like a really industrial place you know and um, um well yeah there was there was there were there was a, a couple of bands here that were um that are, that were genuine 60s bands bands that had formed in the 60s guys that were older than us you know and uh and they they there was a band called Deuce Coop and there was a band called Ligay, L-E-G-A-Y. That was the name of the, 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 the drummer in the band, you know. That was his Christian name, Ligay. And they were, they were really brilliant. They were, um, both of those bands were great. Again, great singers, really great singers. And um, we, uh, well, I certainly, and, uh, and Jeff Bevan certainly, the bass player in Diesel Park West, when we were kids, I mean, I mean kids, you know, We'd 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 go to see these bands and uh, we'd, we'd sort of sneak in, you know, at venues and stuff, and uh, and we'd see we'd sort of be we'd give we'd we'd witness this sort of tail end uh, as children basically we'd witness this this tail end sixties thing going on with these local bands who were doing American West Coast stuff, you know, but with um, but with almost like a Tamla Motown approach to the Again, I'm going to use the word harmony into with the vocal thing. So that that was a real turn. And then we realised we realised a bit later that you could actually be in a band if you really worked at it and you really you really had the guts to go through with it. You didn't you didn't necessarily need to end up in a in a factory, you know, on an assembly line or something. You could actually play play you know play rhythm guitar for a, for a living if you if you really tr- tried, you know. And it was a good way to escape the. Uh, you know the, the 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 life that was pretty much laid out for you at, at school. Um, so eventually, by sort of sometime in the, some point in the seventies, we'd we'd done that. But then, of course, society changed. All all, all the industry collapsed, and and just punk punk came along. Punk was like a tsunami that just swept everything away. And uh, not that we were ever really punked or, or, or subscribed to the punk thing. Again, because of the vocals, the vocals were always so lousy. We dug the energy, we dug the guitars, we dug the driving beats, but you, we just couldn't really get very far past the the, the the awful singing when we'd been used to listening to the to the music that we'd been used to listening to, or you know Tamla Motown or Stax, 
you know, with all these incredible voices, American, again, American voices. We couldn't get our head around, we, uh, we couldn't get around, you know, a lot of the the punk rock bands that, we, we agreed with their attitude. We were kind of punks in, 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 attitudinally, but musically we, ne- we, we never were, you know. And, uh, and by that time we'd started to, un- to understand the stones, the real stones. I, I don't mean the kind of, the kind of, the almost pantomime stones of, of today. I mean the the London stones, the stones that were trying to trying to the stones that were uh, trying to um, uh, tag tag sort of an, an aristocratic decadence, you know, to, uh, to 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 Robert Johnson blues or Jimmy Reed rhythm and blues. You know, we got that, we understood that, and that and that was the that was how those seminal singles like. Have you seen your mother, baby? You know, standing in the shadows, nineties nervous breakdown, those kind of things. That's that stones was 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 something that we that we honed in on, and and to this day, really, really, you know, admire and and kind of realise how how great it is. It's not really the 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 stones as in the, the stadium, you know, enormous stadium corporation that it is now. It's not that. It was what they were trying to what they were trying to blend with those singles that they did at RCA in America or Olympic in in London. Do you know what I mean? Those, those, they had that thing where they could they could just encompass the blues, and make it sound almost aristocratic. Mm. You know, and, and that's that was a, that, that was a real turn on musically. Were you guys kind of doing the same thing where you were borrowing from the ideas of the '60s and blending it with something modern? Yeah, we were. I think so. Uh, it's, uh, possibly, possibly subconsciously. We never, never, nobody ever. We never had a manifesto. We never sat down and said, right. "You know, let's do that." So it was all sort of instinctive and 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 and, and subconsciously. But yeah, I would go along with that. We did. Wow. Yeah. I would have imagined when you say you, you didn't like the punk bands, that doesn't surprise me, but I, I can imagine bands like maybe the Buzzcocks or the Jam, I could see you guys liking those guys. Well, the, the thing is with Weller, I've always dug and, and, and liked where, where Weller's at, you know. I, I, I have a bit of a problem with, with what he does. I, like, I, like, I, I, know, I know what he's trying to do, you know, and I think he's really into it. He's 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 had a good innings, Paul Weller. He's had a he's had a good good career, you know. And uh, so you know, I'm not really he, he doesn't he doesn't need my support or anything. But he's but he's um where where he's at, uh, I like. But sometimes when I hear him, I think well, actually he's not necessarily getting getting to where he's suggesting he wants to get. Mm. Um, the the lad from the lad from the Buscocks who's recently gone. Um, I always used to feel sorry for him because he he he, he felt he, he he came over so passionate, you know, and so earnest, and was and was a good good lyric writer, you know, definitely, and an, an honest guy, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I, even then, I, I was thought that the vocals were a little bit lightweight, you know. Um, oh, but but yeah, good guy, good good good. Uh, honest, I, I'd describe them as being a, a very honest band, the Buzzcocks. Was there any 
punk band where you went, oh, that guy actually can sing? Like, was there any punk band that actually employed a guy who could really handle the vocals that that you liked? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, well, there was, there was a, I don't know if you remember a band called, an American band called X. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, them. I thought they were great. Um, yeah, I quite, I quite, I like them. I even, I even really liked um, John, uh, John Lydon in the beginning, you know, with, with the, for, for a while, you know. I saw, I saw the Pistols at the, at the marquee when they were a support band, they were support, they were supporting. And um, they, uh, you could tell, you know, that there was, there was something there that nobody else had. And he, he vocally, believe it or not, he, um, he came over really strongly. He kind of got worse as it went along. <laughs> but at, at, at the start, he was, it was like, wow, that singer's great. And he was. He was dressed in a sort of teddy boy uh, jacket, you know, brothel creeper shoes, and the pistol—they were on stage, you know, with the original. That, boy, they were still a support band, and he was really giving it something, you know, like like vocally. Yeah, he was like kind of Eddie. He had a kind of edge to his voice, like sort of Eddie Cochran or something, you know, great. It's interesting to me that you mention X because I know that Ray from the Doors um, produced one of their records, which again gets back to that '60s thing. That you're attracted right. to, so it it, it makes yeah. sense to me that that X would be a band also that you would like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I thought they were really good, you know. And they, they, I mean, yeah, they just they just kind of plugged into it right, really. Um. Yeah. Them. I like the Ramones too, to be honest. You know, I, I thought they would. I thought they had a really good. They were. You know, they just they knew what they were doing, didn't they? Yeah, you know, they they knew what they were doing and they did it and they did it great. You know, and they so, had a, a so crooning the, lead singer, right? He, another great lead singer. Yeah, well, what he was, you know, he, he was poor guy. They're, they're they're all gone right now, all the, all of them, you know. But yeah, yeah, and they, you know, I I thought they they were um, a strong sort of presence. The present, the, pre, the, the 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 presence that they had was totally married to the to the sound that they were making. You know, there was no there was no disparity there. They were they were they were a perfect match with themselves. I'm living on cliche. It's like the junk food blues. Somebody's parking.
for you at all well what happened on that yes some of it did there was, I, I, what I'm aware of more than anything else about that is there was singles there was there was a single from here a single from there a single from right. there a single from here there was there was uh, a lot of great sort of one-off singles there were people like the Lotus Eaters you know or, sure. or the, the Lover Speaks you know No More I Love the original version of No More I Love You which is an incredible record the original version yeah and yeah, there were there were things like that, um, diff, different one-offs um, that I that I appreciated For, during the period you're on about. Yeah, that's right, man. You're right. Eighty-two, eighty-five. Yeah, Somewhere there were there. there were different different things, um, and and around that time as well, there was there was like sort of different subcultures going on. There was that that was the radio was playing those records, and then and then underneath that, radio wasn't playing. Um, so there was a lot of bands, uh, bands t- trying to sort of shape, shape, shape sort of rock and roll into it as well. Um, that were that were having a go, which culminated, I would, I think, a bit, little bit later on, by from a, in about 1988, in in people like the Lars, you know, right. who, who, who 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 made that fantastic record. Um, and I think, you know, I think they've been strumming around. From about eighty two, eighty one, eighty two, eighty three, and eventually got it together, and and they came up, they they came out with a, a masterpiece, really. And then you had bands like the Laws or the Stone Roses or the High, uh, and yeah. they were sort of fusing 
that sort of 60s element, that sort of uh, the melodicism with this kind of modern thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what you're, where you were with bands like the Stone Roses. Were you, were you ever a fan with those guys? The Stone Roses, um, they, they kind of, they kind of took over 1989, right? Right. <laughs> by the time the, by the time the summer had arrived in, in they they taken over 1989, but we were at, for a few weeks, <laughs> for maybe six weeks, took over 1989 in the in the winter, you know, in Jan, January, February. <laughs> we we were the hot, we, we we were the hot winter band of 1989. Of course, you know, we thought, hey, this is going to last all of all of 1989, you know, at least. And then we'll look at 1990. We'll see how we we'll see what we're going to do then. What we never anticipated was that in the summer of 1989, John Leckie had, had recorded this band, this Mancunian band, with a, with a few sort of semi semi birds sort of elements of the sound, but recorded it such in such an expert way. I mean the the the, the reverbs. Uh, uh, that Leckie uses on on that that Stone Roses album is is masterful, and and uh, in, in my opinion, it's 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 more his album than than, than the band's. Mm. But to but to but to make to make those tracks sound as en endearing and uh, and as kind of beautiful really as as they are, and 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 work you know and work work as far as the public were concerned. Um, you, you've got to give him full, full credit for that. So, with the roses, I, I, I was I was glad I was glad that there was a band that was the band of the of the moment. You know, the 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 big band of '89 that was, um, you know, a little bit more than vaguely uh, psychedelic. You know, they were they were they were they were ticking all the right boxes. Yeah, um, they, they they had that. They, that trippy sound, which which we always liked, and of course, as, you, as you've alluded to, there was there were sort of sixties references, but there was a little bit of niggle there with us because they'd stolen our year. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you by nature a competitive guy? Like when that happened, did that light a fire in you to want to steal it back? I'm not, I, don't, I don't consider music to be a sport. I, I've never considered it to be a sport. I, I, I consider it to be like, like an actual um, conception of music as a, a private, a private in, in, indulgence, which you then, at some point, feel ready to, sh to share with people, you know, and, and, and for people to judge, of course. Um, but uh, I've, no, I'm not. I'm not competitive in, in that sense. In the sense, in, in, in the sense of hearing something great and then. I'll show them. I'll do something even greater. Right. You know, no, that that's never been my uh, my my deal, really. I just I just do what I do, and I and I do it the way I do it, and do it do it privately. And as I say, and then come the time, I, you know, I'll, I'll say, well, here it is, you know, and then people will, will dig it or, or not, and then, of course that's their choice. But you try, yeah, you try. I'm competitive, maybe with myself sometimes to try and to try and make things things better than to try and improve things you know in an oblique way because as we said earlier on you know there is stuff that there's stuff that you do from the past that was that was great you know and, and you, you 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 do find yourself competing with it but it, like often like on an on a, on 
on a new record, you know, you'd be thinking, because we've been around for a while now, you'll play a mix and you'll play a song. And then sometimes, sometimes, you know, in secret, in, in private, you'll play like princes do or something just to compare it, you know, like some, <laughs> you know, which is, which is ridiculous, but you can't stop yourself sometimes, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So I suppose there's a bit of competitive with that, but not with other bands. No, if we, if you hear another band like the Roses or the Lars or, or, or whoever, who are obviously great bands, you know, or, or have made great records or written great songs, the general feeling is like, Hey, f thank you. You know, thanks for, thanks for doing something great as opposed to something, you know, not so good or, or, or even worse than bad average, you know, average is the worst thing. You know, bad's okay, but average is a, is a sin. You know, so so when you, so when you hear, hear bands that get it together like that, then really, it's, rather than feeling competitive, it's more a feeling of uh, thankfulness that, that they're around and that they're, they're 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 raising the bar. That being said, do you, was there a confederacy that you felt a part of that you know bands that sort of um, that were friends that you're still friends with today? Do you know what? We, we, we've we always felt a little bit apart from everybody. Um, I don't know whether that's down to the, sort of the, our background and the, the geography and the type of characters that we are. Um, uh, no is the answer to that. We've, we've never, we've never really felt that, uh, we were, there was, we were in a, a club of two or two or three, three or four like-minded bands. We knew there were bands that were kind of, that were, that were, that were dipping into our area, you know, that were, that were sim vaguely similar. We knew that, but we've never, no, we've never been part of a confederacy. We've always, we've always been like lone wolves really. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That answer doesn't surprise me at all. Um, because mm. when I, when I think about clusters of bands and, and you and I are around the same age. And so when I think of bands like the stone roses, I can name five or six more. Or when I think of bands like, uh, you know, Aztec Camera, I can think of five or six more. Um, right. But when I think of Diesel Park West, I always just think of you guys as standing alone. It's so when, when you're saying that, it doesn't surprise me at all. And I think that's actually kind of cool. Well, yeah. And, and, and standing we still are. You know, may, right. maybe, if we, maybe if we'd have been part of, some, of a confederacy or sort of a, a group in, maybe we'd have, have, have fallen by now. But it's... Um, yeah, we we we're still here, you know, you know, and and we and we're here because we we want to be here. We 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 definitely wouldn't be here if we were if we were currently recording and or doing gigs and shows or you know creating uh, sort of second and third rate imitations of things that we rec that we were doing twenty years ago. We 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 we, we, we you know we're wise enough to know that we know we know that we. We're not exactly the brightest people in the universe, but we're not dumb. <laughs> we're not. We're not dumb either, and we know. We know that to do that, you know, to 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 be doing third-rate versions of what you used to do, that then it's time to stop. You know, we, we, so 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 the reason that we're still here is because we, we've we've got this. We've always had this sort of lone wolf in, insular sort of thing about what we do creatively, and also that we that we know that when we. Well, we can hear it when we re when we're rehearsing, or or when we're gigging, or when we put first put a new track down. And I mean, the, you know, the rhythm the rhythm track of a new track with maybe a guide vocal and the and the 
and, and the, the suggested intention of what how this track's going to going to finish. We know that it's it's still that it's still firing. It's still it's still it still excites us. You know, it's good. And we'd be the, we'd be the, I think we'd be the first or maybe the second uh, pe- people to know that like you know it's it's not as good as it used to be. And then and then we'd stop. But that sure as shit ain't happened yet. And you know. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it will happen next week. You know, right. but maybe it'll never. Maybe it'll never happen. Well, you have always. It's going to happen. You have always been one of my favorite lyricists because you have this really um, interesting way of balancing humor with the more serious stuff. How have you been able to balance that? Because, because I imagine one in the direction of the other would tip the scale. Um, but you do it so deftly, John. Like, how how is it that you have been able to sort of make that balance? And is that something that you're aware of when you're writing your lyrics? It's it's something that's that's increasingly being pointed out to me when, when, for, by by people that that, that know them. And, uh, and I'm very very thankful for you to to say that. Thank you very much. I think it's really got uh, got something to do with. Um, with me, my, my my background, you know, I come, I come I, I, my background was very. Um, there was a lot to be sort of sardonic or sarcastic about, you know, the, what there was, but there was also a lot of in this in this background, which was it was kind of tough, really, because it was a tough industrial sort of thing. But um, I, I was also the recipient of a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of love too from from you know from from people that from people that cared about me you know so so uh, I've got see that's where that's where even the title Shakespeare Alabama of that album that's where that came from like uh, it, it was like a division you know like a dichotomy you know a, a division of things and that 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 interests me I, I, f- I find myself increasingly drawn to to like to, to almost like a study you know not a formal study but like a Sort of a, you know a casual study, or well, a bit more than casual, but a study of of thing of division and the study of the study of how things how things divide and yet still are the same thing, you know. I'm I'm really I'm really this is getting off 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 musical track a bit, but one country in Europe that really has perpetuated has perpetually fascinated me is um, Belgium because Belgium is is the is the the, the the living embodiment of of two completely diametrically opposed cultures living you know in the same place well that so that's again division you know shakespeare right and so that that's maybe something in in me that that uh, I'm able to to be to be dark and deep and and, and sort of humorous at the same time and with with some kind of love in there in in, in the in, in the lyrical side and I've just put that down to my own particular background and upbringing which was tough you know and, and hard but uh but wasn't without love you know I, I definitely which a lot of kids today don't they don't get that you know well I, I definitely got that in your lyrics there is that sort of what you're talking about that that kind of uh juxtaposition of contrast you know like mm-hmm. for example you know shakespeare uh highly literate to read shakespeare cultured um, and in America, this is a terrible generalization, but we don't think of Alabama as the most cultured state. Um, but w- though it's not without its charms, um, it's not usually synonymous with Shakespeare. 
So again, right. that sort of juxtaposition there, uh, which you do a lot in your lyrics, I've always admired that. Oh, thank, thank you. you you've, you've obviously really, really got into them. You obviously know them. And I'm grateful about that. Um, yeah, well, that title, for instance, was... Uh, the, the Alabama bit wasn't, wasn't uh, a direct and graphic reference to the to the good people of alabama in the in, in the united states what it is is we it's it's actually associating ourselves with uh with a with a you know i mean leicester itself it was a sort of um you know what we call it working class here i think you call it blue collar right. you know but it was so it was just that's that's the type of people that make up diesel park west including me you know we we we're kind of that kind of We'd probably be quite at home in Alabama, actually. I'm sure we would, <laughs> right? But at the same time, where we where we come from, it's a it's an ancient city that was built by the Romans. It's full of history. They even found a king buried here a few years ago. You know, under a car park. You know, so, and there's, there's a, it's in the centre of England. It's been a, it's it's a, it's been a, a centre of uh, of historical events all throughout English history since the Romans. And there's a there's a lot of a lot of culture in, in there. You know, so so we so there's the two that we came from, again. This dichotomy. You know, we came from this. This place that, on the one hand, was very blue collar, very working class, and on the, on, the, on the other hand, was steeped in in classical history, you know, including a, a lot of sort of Shakespearean. I mean, Stratford upon Avon's only down the road, really. It's not far, you know. So there's, there, there was a lot of a lot of a lot of sort of cross crossfire going on, and I think I think that's what is, what's influenced the. Um, you know the, the the way I am really, and the way the way we put things over, and we put it we put it all in, in into this rock and roll package, you know, which is what what we do. Yeah, and it's funny because how the the album title was received by me here in California at age sixteen uh, when mm-hmm. I first got it is I I took it very literally as you know a reference to Alabama. It's interesting to hear how it was intended. Yeah, that yeah. That's that's really how how it's intended. Because, like I say, you know, we we probably we probably would be um, if 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 we would if if we were talk if it was the you know the eighteen the nineteenth century if it was eight eighteen eighties or something you know and we were Americans we I could the type of people that we are rather than being. Uh, the equivalent to the hippies of California, we probably would be good old boys from from <laughs> Alabama. More, more than likely, you know, certainly at least half of us would. Anyway, maybe there'd be one sort of Harvard University wannabe up there somewhere. But apart from that, you know, that's that's what we are. We we, we kind of we we, uh, we we can articulate what what we do. Well, sometimes we can, but uh, but we. At heart, we're a rock and roll band, and we're with, with with that kind of mentality and this, the type of people that we are. As, as we're not we're not highbrow, you know, we're, we're not highbrow people. But we but we and, and it's not like we're aspiring to be highbrow either, because we're not. But we just we've we've just taken taken the uh, to use a cliche, but it's true. We've taken the the lessons of our, our lives, you know, and and, and put it into. Into the music, and I, I do that with the lyrics, really, and then and try and expand it, try and use my imagination too, because you know you, you can't just write about, you know, practical things all the time. You've got to use a little bit of, 
you know, you've got to trip out a bit, be a little bit imaginative, which which, which I try to do. And and of course, it, it it all it all needs to tie into a song, a song that's a song that's attractive to the listener. You know, that that people that people get, or or in, or are intrigued by. Did you growing up in Leicester? Did you have to affect a sort of pose? Uh, in other words, how were guys who were more into the arts? Were they, did they have to also sort of be tough at the same time or were they sort of left alone? Because, you know, in, in those days, like I said, you and I are, are, are the same age. There was a kind of tribalism, at least here in America, where if you were a goth or if you were a punk, you'd be marginalized by people who were, were into sport or whatever it might be. Um, for you growing up, that sort of, you know, being into music, um, did you also have to protect that with a kind of tough pose on the outside as well well we were we were pretty tough too you know we we, we knew we knew how to um we, we knew how to react to any situations like that um well you because you, you grew up being you grew up learning how to be you know you had to to survive but the real answer to that is that that um we were left left pretty much alone it was more more a case of like the, the people to, that you're referring to the people that weren't like us uh, there was almost like because they knew that we were still part of their 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 sort of tribe. Then, if you like, um, they left us alone. So they probably took the piss a bit, you know, with 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 being be musicians and things. But they were they were they were. I think secretly they they were admired what we were doing. I think I think they maybe maybe thought well these guys are trying to take it further you know they're not they're not just doing what we're doing they're not just sort of you know working in factories or doing sport or something no disrespect to people that play sport of course but that's no we were pretty much left alone to um there wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh of, of friction sometimes that there'd, there'd be problems at gigs you know with 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 people that have been drinking and things and what whatever but and we, we're pretty like I say, we know we know how to kind of handle that, um, but pretty much left alone. It's it's um left left alone to develop. We'd kind of we'd be re, we'd be rehearsing in the day, you know, and um, and get, getting it together. And we, and a lot of the rehearsal rooms that we yeah, here's the thing, we we'd be rehearsing in a in in a couple of different rooms and stuff. We're talking about 1980s. Leicester now, you know, early 1980s Leicester. We'd be, we'd be rehearsing in these kind of like garages or, or, or ex factories or something, right next door to 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 to, to, pe- to guys that were working and really working hard, you know, and kind of grafting in industry and stuff. And they they'd be hearing us playing, sort of jamming on eight miles high or something, you know, next door in this room as they're working away on on the line. And when we'd we'd come out for a, for a fag, you know, like in the stuff of smoke and whatever, you know, and, and, but end up talking together, and then it's, you know, as if like it was the, the most normal thing in the world, you know. Then we'd go back into our rehearsal room and carry on making this 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 psychedelic rock and roll, and they'd go back to doing whatever they were doing. And although we were kind of a universe apart, we were still the same people, you know. I yeah, I think they kind of secretly dug it all, really. And then when we start when we started to get known, when when, when we were in the papers and on the TV and stuff, they, uh, you almost sense uh, 
not that they ever said this, but you always sense that they were they were pleased, you know, and they were they were even even proud of it, you know, that that, that we we were from the same streets as they were, you know. You mentioned that you had a lot of love and support. Were your parents uh, were they supportive of your decision to pursue pursue music? Uh, well, my, I was my parents. Actually, I was brought up with my grandmother. My grandmother raised me. Uh, my, my, my particular parents were pretty early, early out the traps. They uh, they divorced when I was about um, seven, eight, eight or nine. So it's pretty. Not many people did that then, but mine did. Um, my mum's gone now. Um, but my dad's still alive, bless him. But I was, but I was, I was raised by my grandmother, and that's and there was a lot of support from her. Yeah. Um, it's just me for for a lot of years growing up. It's just me and her, you know, and um, yeah, I had a lot of support there. We weren't there was no money there. We weren't rich or anything, you know. But um, you kind of don't need it when you've got that, you know. That's again, that's almost like a, a kind of an, an, an agrarian or a, a homespun kind of attitude, you know. With a, you know, do you know what I mean? With with people with people from that background which i can equate with what you call blue collar yeah well that's saying the same thing so i was never short on that we we were short on money but not on the, the stuff that mattered you know and then and then once you once you you know trick somebody into buying you a guitar and an amp <laughs> <laughs> you know they're not they're, they're not off you go were you a big reader growing up um i didn't think i was no, I I I I used to, I we we I didn't think I was, but I I now know I probably was. Yeah, I used to read a lot of uh, history. A lot. I'd be I'd be lying in bed, you know, aged eleven or something, reading about. Um, yeah, this makes this might this is a bit weird. I'd, I'd be lying in bed or read reading about the formation of Czechoslovakia after the Treaty of Versailles. You know, and I'm I'm eleven. <laughs> you know, which, which which was a little bit odd, I must admit, and and, and things think yeah, I used to read a lot of history and and, and philosophy and stuff, uh, and I thought every all the other kids did, you know, I just thought I just, I didn't think I was being, you know, not normal. It was only later that I realised that I was a bit off the wall, you know, in those uh, with those interests. Yeah, that that's not what a normal eleven-year-old uh, is lying in bed doing. Not really, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. humor? Where did humor come from for you? I mean, was that something that? I mean, you sound like such a genial guy. Um, how did how did humor play a part in your upbringing and also then translate into your art? Well, there's there's a lot of laughs at home, that's for sure. Uh, when when you what you do with music, what, what what you do with it is you, you try you try to make it as as you know mysterious and as accessible and as uh, you know as, as rounded and as fucked up as as possible. You know you try and you know you try and you try and get it right. You try you try and do the right thing. And in terms of rock and roll, what what the hell is that? Is what is the right thing? It's just. It's just how it how it eventually is received by the listener, right? But in in doing that, in the process of doing that, you have to, of course, just by definition, you have to you have to do be serious at some point. You know, you have to you have to get it together. Just the very the the physical event of doing it it requires uh, some sort of you know 
uh, focus and, and and serious sort of commitment to it, right? And that can cause that can cause a a little bit of over earnestness sometimes. Um, and and then once the way the way the way to break that in in a positive way, the way to break that is is to is to um, and to develop a, a, a humorous slant on things because basically there's humor in everything really and uh, to, but develop a, 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 a develop a humorous slant on things just to ease things through and uh, not i mean not willfully not 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 sort of um on purpose not 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 with a not in a sort of cynical way but but when you let the you let you let humor live you know, you, you you allow it to live and, and and be part of what you do, and once once you do that, it can it can it can dilute the um the the over seriousness that you might otherwise use by by play by recording music in the first place. Being a musician's a weird thing. It's uh you're doing this great thing, but it's also something that can, you know, it can, it can, it, it can, there's a price to pay, you know, and so a psychological price. So to temper that with, with the ability, first of all, to laugh at yourself, you know, but then to laugh at situations, you find yourself in endless situations on the road, right? You know, in, in hotels and airports and then you name it, any situation on, on the road. And there's, there's endless situations where the only the best way to deal with it all is 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 to not take it that seriously because it's absurd you know the ridiculousness of of life really, the existence sometimes you know it's just you just have to laugh at it and and then if you do that you know people will laugh with you as long as you're not doing it cynically you know people will do, and it and it kind of dilutes what could be a, a tense situation you know, sometimes so I think it's just developed. And what is the psychological toll do you think or the psychological price of being a musician um that that you have to sort of face yeah well i i have to um I have to talk to my wife about this um, <laughs> yeah yeah the idea the idea of of standing on a stage it it might be different for classical guys guys that really are, are down with the score you know but the the idea of standing on a stage and playing rock and roll you know with with your mates and uh making a noise and trying to make this noise have a have a soulful heart to it the the idea of doing that is is basically look at me everybody you know look 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 at me look 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 how great me and my my friends are look look there's lights on us. All you people are in this room looking at us play, and we're on this stage. Look, look, we, we demand your attention. You know, that's essentially what any band does. And uh, and you and so psychologically, if you're doing, if you, if that's what you do with your life, you know, if that, if that's what you, that's what you are, that's what your job is, then, then it, it could lead to. Uh, Shall we say um, <laughs> it should? It could lead to a quite an inflated ego, you know. Or, or uh, I mean, you need ego in the first place in order to get on stage, you know. You need that. I'm not anti-ego, but but psychologically, there's there's a price to pay if you if you start um, believing it, you know, sort of twenty twenty four hours a day that that that's 
I mean, you are that 24 hours a day. You are. You're still a rock and roller when you're asleep, you know, when you're in the bath, you know what I mean? You're still, you're, that's still what you are. But if you start, if it starts um, infiltrating every corner, every aspect of your, of, your, of your life and of your being, then eventually, psychologically, you'll start to get worn down by that, I think. And I think, and I think that's why a lot of people have... have um, of, of use drugs or booze, you know, to to kind of to try and move, to try and to, 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 they can probably feel that psychological thing happening to them. So they use, so you know, it's, it's an easy ball to 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 get into drugs or booze to kind of to parry, you know, what I mean, to to parry that away. Um, so there's the psychological dangers. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound like it's a bad lifestyle. It's not a bad lifestyle. It's a great playing playing music, playing rock and roll music. It's a great thing to do, but it does come at a price if if you if you're not careful. You know, if you if you if you just let it take over everything. How do you regard if you, if you think of Diesel Park West as an organism? How do you regard it now, in a way that? And how do you compare that to how you regarded it, say, in 1989? Ah, well, in '89 we were uh, in eight, in '89 when 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 EMI took over um, Food Records, which it, we signed to Food Records, which was a which was a, a, a groovy, you know, kind of hip London um, indie indie label. But then EMI, with all its Beatles, Pink Floyd, and Queen money, signed Food. In order to get Diesel Park West, right, and then subsequently they they signed other other food acts. Well, in eight in eight in, because we were majored up, we we know we were with this. Suddenly we were with the, we were with money, we, 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 you know, and, and a lot of it. Um, suddenly suddenly things became quite um, quite urgent, and and uh, you, you know, see a very very. You know, serious. You know, people. We started to hear phrases like "careers are at stake." We thought, "What?" <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't see it like that. But suddenly, we're hearing "careers at stake" and things and all this. And we, we thought, "Hang on a minute," you know. But it was, but it was true. You know, it was all this, all this commitment and dosh slot flying around. So in '89, we were, we, we were, we were kind of marshaled in, into being um, like a. Uh, a, a kind of a, a unit of we, we felt we felt like we were in the army in '89, like 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 we were being we felt like we were being ordered around a lot, which we were. We, you know, we we had we had a lot of orders given to us, um, and we were, and we were kind of being marshaled around like uh, like do this, you got to you got to do this, do that, don't do that, don't do this, you know. And uh, we res- we responded to it well. We we never we never kind of said you know fuck you and that we, we we knew we knew we knew why we were being ordered we were being ordered in order to be successful you know in order to have so everybody would have careers right um which is you know which is great and i'm not knocking that because we all we all want success and success must, must be a wonderful thing right but the thing that always kept it kept the flame going for us was the very thing that we that we had in the beginning before we were even with a major, which was the uh, our our desire to to be a good band. You know, that's the thing. That's the bottom line for for it to, to sound great, 
Well, we've kept that all the way through, all through the indie years, all the way through the, the 90s and the noughties, all, all the way through. We've, we've kept on like writing and performing, doing gigs, doing shows, either as the band or solo or whether. But there's, but there's always been a flame. The flame has never been extinguished, ever. It's never gone out. It's got real low sometimes, but, you know, real low. But it's never gone out. And we, we started recording last year um, with stuff. Um, that's subsequently has, has resulted in, in this album that we've got now. This great, these, these, these people from Dallas are fantastic, you know, great, great people, yeah, enlightened people who, who seem to really get what we're about, which is really important. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's crucial to have a record company that understands what you're doing. Uh, and here we are. And when, and when we were first, the very first day that we we were uh, the first session for this for this new record, you know, simple statement from the the drummer, you know, from me to the drummer, you know, uh, what kind of album do you think we should? We're, we're literally standing outside the room because the engineer hasn't turned up yet, you know, and we're literally standing outside on a cold January night, you know, sort of shivering. And we said, well, what, what, what kind of record do you think we should make? What, what kind of album do you think we should... And he just said, one that we like. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, so like, to, to hear that sort of, that, sim- that, that simplicity that could, sometimes can only come from a trauma. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of ways to get you over here finally. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come. We're chomping at the bit, you know. We'd, we'd, we'd be great, you know, if we were... Just give us an American audience, especially Diesel Park West now. You know, like the the, pe- the people that we are now. You know, if 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 we can just if we just just to connect, we 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 would. You know, uh, we, we'd look forward to that. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll come over. Sure. It's uh, it's so weird to me that you guys didn't get over here in the late '80s because a lot of bands. It was a lot easier, it seems, then. Um, yeah. For, for for British bands to get over here. Um, you know, there were some pretty obscure British bands that even made it over. So I'm, I always thought that I just somehow missed you guys. I know. I was. Do you know what? I was just saying that today. That that um, the, what used to happen is that the enemy and the Melody Maker, you know, those two weekly mags. Yeah. Yeah. They they they'd often take some obscure British band, um, fly them over to <laughs> fly them over to the waterfront in New to New York. Take some journalist with them, give him a good time in New York, you know, pay for him and that. Um, he'd then take a photograph of the, this obscure band. There was quite a lot of them. Yeah. Right? They'd, 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 take it. they'd then, then be on the front cover of the Enemy or the Melody Maker the next week with the headline, whoever it was, so-and-so, you know, Crack America, <laughs> conquer, conquer America. When all these guys had really done is post for a photograph at New York Harbor. You know, but it'd be on the fr- be on the front of the enemy, and uh, so yeah, you're right. There was a lot of that. Um, we never even did that. Uh, you know, they thought, you know, if there's one band we're definitely not even taking a photograph of it in, in New York Harbor, it's Diesel Park West. <laughs> it was it was it was almost like that. But we did make it over. We did. I don't know whether you knew this. We did a, a couple of gigs. The only time we've ever played in America was in late 1991. We did. Um, a place called the Marquee of all names, 
uh, this sort of showcase case thing in New York, and we did a gig in Washington D.C. as well. I can't remember the name of it, and then and then we did a video, and then we and then we split back on. Um, so we have actually been there, but boy, you know, would we really like to do it properly? Sure, of course we would. Well, man, thanks for doing this. I've listened to you since I was 16, and uh, you've always been one of my favorites. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat. Fantastic. Uh, that's really, really warm my heart to hear that, Alex. Great, man. There you go, John C. Butler of Diesel Park West. I'm so glad we were able to air that interview. Uh, Soren, if you're out there listening, uh, I know you sometimes are. Uh, thank you for rescuing that from the ether. It was well worth it. Also well worth it, Diesel Park West's new album, Not Quite the American Dream. It is fantastic. Go get it. Dieselparkwest.com. And also, while you're there, pick up all their other stuff, too. Because they, uh, they have quite a bit of music. So if you're looking for a Diesel Park West immersion project, uh, there you go. Just go there and immerse yourself away. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. There will be a new book. I have a new book coming out, I think, around uh, November or December. So watch that site for details or just listen to this podcast. I'll be talking about it relentlessly. Follow me on Twitter at Embers Editor. Follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Check out BombshellRadio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. And don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell every single person you come into contact with we would appreciate it. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Surrender Shuffle from Diesel Park West's new album, Not Quite the American Dream. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers the Podcast, only right here on Bombshell Radio.
like the BBC Just another illusion made flesh for she and he I've never been the same since what they did to me But there's a cold case on the file Let's open it and see what it is Oh, that they hold against me what they have Yeah.